0: All right, we're going to go ahead and get started this morning. Okay, let's read our verse together today. It's Acts 2, 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Romans 6, 1 and 2a. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Paul continues to address the problem of sin. Okay? Um, And I think we've all acknowledged that all of us are sinners. Paul's already addressed the fact that we all sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. In the next two chapters when we were going through this, he argues that by faith in Jesus Christ, people are justified. They're declared righteous. They're declared holy. Romans five one and two. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, so we're justified. We're declared righteous by our faith, not our works. So by faith in God and Jesus Christ, we have been justified. We have peace then with God. So God is not you know we're not His enemy. He's not against us. He is for us. Okay, the love of God. Nothing can separate us. Paul argued that can separate us from God's love for you. So in other words, this morning. Know this fact. You are at peace with God. You are at peace with God. God loves you unconditionally. And his love for you will never change. But not only that. God's love will never be separated from you. And that by his grace and his mercy. You will always be in the palm of his hand. Okay. And I'm sorry. But I I love the song. But it's not true. In in a spiritual sense. It's only in the. Reality of the bigness of magnitude of God, he doesn't have the whole world in his hands. Okay? Sorry, he doesn't have the whole world in his hands. In the sense of salvation. Okay? And it is through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Again, grace is God's unmerited, unearned favor. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So then he concludes that where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Romans 5, 20, 21, we talked about this last week. Someone read that for me. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So even though when the law was given, the law was given not to, to make us righteous, the, the law was given, the Bible was given to us <coughs> so that we could recognize our sin, that we're sinners. Okay? And when you read the Bible, you, you come across it and go, yeah, that's me. Okay? We see this at times, we go, you, that, that, I did that. It helps us understand that. But where sin increased, our understanding of sin increased, God's grace increased all the more. And so, in other words, whatever sin we've committed, we're under God's grace, His favor, and He's forgiven us. So then the logical conclusion of all this is, well, the more we sin, the more God's grace is experienced. So who cares about how much we sin? Is that true? Yes. No. But is that the right attitude to have? Now, okay, I want to make this statement right up front. I do not know anyone's personal financial situation in this room, okay? I am not thinking of any single person that I know of in this room. So if this is you, please don't think, I'm thinking of you and I'm condemning you for this. That's not my point. It's just an illustration, right? For example, should a person max out multiple credit cards go into as much debt as they possibly can, knowing that they're going to go into bankruptcy and, and let the government pay for it. Okay? I, uh, I know someone who's not affiliated with this church, is in my family, I regret to say, but nevertheless, he continued getting multiple, multiple, multiple degrees. And he maxed out every single student loan that he possibly could. And he bragged about it at our house when he visited, that I am going well over $100,000 in debt. I think he was getting near $200,000 in debt because he said, I'm going to go into the ministry and the government allows me, if I pay the minimum balance for 10 years, at the end of 10 years, my debt is is paid for so the government i saw he went to rome he went to disney world probably at least 10 times on student loans and then ultimately so that the government will pay for it when it's all said and done well actually and i and i said but that is what you're saying is i'm paying for it he looked at me he goes yep wow and he's in ministry he's a pastor okay not a baptist (laughs) <laughs> so you, you go that's just not right and yet that's the same mentality that people have that goes well i can sin all i want because god's grace won't forgive me i can do anything i want because god's grace won't forgive me i can you know it's all forgiven it's all taken care of so it doesn't matter what i do and god's response then is no god forbid what is legal isn't necessarily moral. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And that's where the heart comes in. And that's where the Christian life comes in. Romans 6, 1 to 14. Why shall we say that? Shall we go on to the grace of increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may have a live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we have certainly also been united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self, The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought, brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay? I'm not going to read this again, but we were crucified with Christ and baptized into Christ. Okay? So we have this passage from 1 to 5, Romans 6, 1 to 5, addresses this issue, and we'll, we'll get into more details of it here. Okay, so we were crucified with Christ, and we were baptized into Christ. Galatians 2.20. Someone read that for me. I have, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we've been crucified with Christ, Paul told the church of Galatia, Okay, and I no longer live. In other words, that old self no longer lives. It's the new self. Uh, someone was reading down front here. Would you read Galatians 3.27? For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So those of us who've been baptized into Christ have clothed ourselves, we, 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 our clothing, we've been clothed with Christ, Okay. Now, the question is this, is this water baptism or baptism of the Holy Spirit? If it was water baptism, which I do not believe this he's teaching this year, you must be baptized in order to be saved. And that's not taught in the scriptures. Now, I will say this. It it is, uh, when we look at Acts 2.38, which also creates some confusion with uh, uh, Acts 16.33, Baptism is truly a picture of salvation. It's not a means to it. Okay? Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you read that, you go, well, that sounds like you have to be baptized. Okay? You repent and be baptized, uh, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. But if you look at Scripture, one of the things that they taught us um, when we were studying Scripture in school... Was this. Don't create a doctrine off a of verse of scripture. You've got to look at the whole of scripture. Look at all the passages dealing with salvation. You can come to then a biblical conclusion to interpret each other. So how do we interpret this? Okay. So is baptism. And this is where I think sometimes Christians don't understand this. In the first century. And hopefully this century. Okay. There is a clear understanding in Scripture that when those who were who received Christ as Savior, the idea of putting off water baptism was unheard of. Well, I, I want to wait until I, you know, and uh, to some other time in my life when I feel more comfortable with it or whatever. That was not even understood. I mean, when the Philippian, uh, excuse me, the Ethiopian unit is riding along and builds. Explaining to him the scriptures, he, he stops along the way and says, What hinders me from being baptized? Let's, let's do it now. I mean, uh, people understood when they got saved that they were to be baptized. It was that beautiful symbol. See, then you look at Acts 16, later on, he says, Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay, the jailer. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed the room, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized. So in other words, they believed. What what, what, what do we need to do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What what, what do I need to do to be saved? Romans 10.9, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.13, so for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Obviously, the thief on the cross, they didn't say, okay, I'm sorry, he can't be saved until he gets off the cross. We got to baptize him or he's not going to heaven. No, he said today you'll be with me in paradise, knowing that he'll be crucified and that's it. And so there's there's an understanding, and here's the way I've described this. Um, I meant to bring this up earlier, but I'm shutting I shut my mic off so I don't get a a ring here. The glove, my hand. No. Why were you able to identify this as a glove? You can see it. What does it look like? It looks like what? My hand. Is it my hand? No. This is my hand. Okay. The picture is this. This is salvation. This. Is baptism. See, it's the symbol of what it looks like, but it's not itself. But it's the beautiful picture. And every time I baptize, and as long as I've had my mind, and I baptize, I'm going to say this. Okay, water baptism is the picture of salvation. Okay, because when that person has confessed their sin, and they go under the water. It is a symbol of what? Yes. Death. See, I have been crucified. I've, I've been, I've died and was buried with Christ. I'm dying to myself. Okay, I'm repenting of my sin. And I'm coming up out of the water to have a brand new life in Christ. The old is gone. It's dead. The new has come. And it's a brand new life that we have in Christ. That's the symbol of it so if you've never been baptized i highly encourage you i beg you in the name of the lord to be obedient to him uh, to do that if you don't want to do it publicly they can do it privately but baptism is is very important very essential we we don't it is a public though profession that's why we do it publicly okay and there would be people there to witness it it wouldn't be just you and the pastor but nevertheless the, the point of this is to do it publicly okay what he's talking about here is the baptism of the holy spirit you're back buried with christ but you're baptized into christ through the holy spirit acts 10 to 45 says while peter was still speaking these words the holy spirit came on all who heard the message the circumcised believers who had come with peter were astonished that the gift of the holy spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. And they began speaking in tongues. These Gentile people were speaking in tongues. It's like, the evidence of the Holy Spirit at this time was evidenced by gifts. And one of those gifts was the speaking in tongues. Where did everyone speak in tongues? No, but these people did. And it's like, that was evidence, you have the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. And when you accept Christ as your savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within you. Know you not that your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy of Holies. God, the very God, dwells within every single believer. And that that believer is then filled with that Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, who then indwells every believer and does several things. He's part of the sanctification process. He's convicting us of sin. He's illuminating the Word of God as we read it. Okay, so that we can understand the Bible. Beforehand, we're like, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't get it. Afterwards, we, oh, okay, that makes sense. And the Holy Spirit becomes our teacher. Someone read for me, First uh, Corinthians twelve thirteen. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. And see, the spirit is capitalized. It's not like well, we just have a spirit of unity or a spirit of excitement. It's the Holy Spirit that he's speaking of here. Okay? Followers of Christ were baptized into his death. We were literally buried with him positionally, and we will also be resurrected like him. 2 Corinthians 4:14. 4, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. To himself. So God just like He raised Christ from the dead will raise us uh, from the dead as well. And that's the beautiful picture of it. That we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit and again water baptism then becomes that symbol of what has happened in our heart and life. So that we're telling everybody I am a follower of Jesus Christ I have died to myself and I'm living a brand new life in him. So that if, when we're living around each other If the person goes, you know, hey, hey, I I accepted Christ, but that should affect what I do. I can live any way I want to, right? And that idea shouldn't even come into the mind of the believer. By no means that we think this way. In in other words, you know, um, there are individuals who come to Christ, but they really don't understand what they're doing. The parable of the sower. And the seed that was sowed by the wayside, they didn't understand it. They received it. But they didn't understand it. And Satan came and took it away. And sometimes people who, you know, they think, well, I pray the prayer, so I'm good. I've done, you know, this ritual that people do. And that makes me a follower of Jesus. I'm yet to go to heaven. The answer is no. It's when the Holy Spirit of God dwells in the believer. Okay, and then that lifestyle has begins, you can see evidence of that. You will know them by their fruit. 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 So in other words, it's not it, that fruit doesn't save them. Works doesn't save us. It's the evidence of our salvation. So when we're loving and doing those things, like First John says, you can't hate your brother and be a follower of Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. How can the love of God be in us when we hate people who, who say they're Christians? We can live a new life today. Romans 6, 4 says, We were therefore buried him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may, and let's all say this together, live a new life. That's what it's all about. We live a brand new life together. Okay, We can live this new life because of the Holy Spirit and the sanctification process. Someone read for me 1 Corinthians 1-2. The Church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So because of the Holy Spirit, He's called us to be sanctified and to be holy. And that process of, of it is it happens because of that new life that we have. Jesus ultimately was our example. John 17, 18-20 says this. This is Jesus speaking. And you sent me into the world. As, excuse me. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctified myself. Now, does that mean that he wasn't sanctified? What, what does the word sanctify mean? Set apart. Great. So Jesus, as the Son of God, says, for them... I set apart myself. I am setting myself apart for them. And that's really the call of us as followers of Christ. That the sanctification process, we've already been declared righteous. We set ourselves apart from this world and unto the Lord to be different. You know what? Some of you are young people in here. Okay? And you're in here one of the most challenging things for you to do is to not be thought of as weird. You wanna fit in, you want to be accepted, you want to be loved, but at the same time, the Lord calls us, and this is not just for the young, but for the old, and everybody in between, that ultimately, we're setting ourselves apart. That we don't have to live like them. You know what peer pressure is everywhere whether it's for the teens or the adult, what are you going to do to fit in to my culture to what we want to do what are you going to do at work what are you going to do at school what are you going to do in your neighborhood he says for them i sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified set apart my prayer is not for them alone I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who is that? Who is that last sentence about? Us. Amen? Mm -hmm. So Jesus sanctified himself. He set himself apart so that we would sanctify ourselves. Mm -hmm. See, sometimes I think we get misled. We think that when God saves us, that it's God's job to fix us, okay? And is that true? Yes and no. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us with the sanctification process. But we also must be willing to make good choices. That's the freedom God has given to us as a follower of Christ. We have to choose. Do you choose righteousness? Do I choose righteousness or do I choose the sin? This past week. Did you choose righteousness? Did I choose righteousness or unrighteousness? See, that's what God calls us to do. We can't shift this. Our culture today, I think it's something from the very beginning of time. You know, we look at Adam and Eve, it started there, right? The woman you gave me, the serpent. God, it's your fault. We shift it all the time. We do the same thing with sanctification. Uh, it's not my responsibility. I don't know. God, where are you in this process? you got to help me here. Fix me. Fix me. Where's the pill? Give me something. Fix me. Uh, I'm just not growing I guess I don't know if he even exists. <laughs> no, he says, stop it. Stop it. And that's what he tells me all the time. Luke, stop it. Yes, sir. That's what the the word is all about. And it's not about condemnation. It's not about your salvation. You're already saved. The issue is, is how do you conform to the image of Christ so that you can truly enjoy the Christian life? See, Jesus wants to experience life to the full. Full means to abound in a thing. To excel. To be morally better off. How can we experience this kind of life? Let me throw that to you for just a moment. How can we experience this kind of life? That is, excelling, to be morally better off, to be full. How do we experience that? Yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit.
1: Yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah. We, we don't harden our hearts. We listen to the Holy Spirit and obey Yeah. To drink in from the Holy Spirit what we need. We need the love and acceptance and belonging that Christ purchased for us. So pulling that into ourselves gives us the resources to spill it out. Right. That's why in Galatians, he gave us the fruits of the Spirit. They're not fruits... Of the flesh. They're not fruits of just general life. It's fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. A long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. Self-control. These are the things that the Holy Spirit can give us when we yield to Him. John 10 says that He comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We're a new creation of Christ. Someone read from me 2 Corinthians 5.17, a very familiar passage of scripture. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The old is gone. The new is here. So the question is what are we going to yield to? What are we going to get into? Uh, the, the old flesh, the old nature? or what God has given to us, the new, through the Holy Spirit's power. For we know that our old self, Romans 6, 6 and 7, we're no longer slaves to sin. That old self was crucified with the body, of, body ruled by sin might be done away with. In other words, we no longer have to sin. Now, we don't like saying that, because the bottom line is, is that then we become accountable to that idea. We go, well, nobody's perfect. No one can be perfect. Yet God called us to be perfect. Being perfect is your heavenly father's perfect. Be holy because your heavenly Father's holy. Well, come on. We know that that's gonna work. So what we do is we, we have this mentality of I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And we only elevate our thinking to what we could possibly attain in our mind of thinking, well, if I can't be perfect, I must be just a good sinner. That's forgiven. Okay, that's like the bumper center. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. <laughs> That means we, we have a, you know, our way of escape is, eh, uh, chill out. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Okay? That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. In other words, you don't have to do it. Do we? Yes. Okay? The old self was crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 again. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I don't live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me? The old self has been done away with or rendered powerless. Okay? We have died to sin and we no longer have to sin. We have been set free from sin, then why do we still sin? Choices. Pardon? Choices. Choices. We walk in the flesh instead of walking in the spirit. Yeah, we walk in the flesh instead of the Spirit. You see, as a follower of Christ, we have the choice. We can feed the flesh. We can feed the Spirit. When we feed the flesh, that is what is energized, okay? Food is energy, all right? Do we understand that? Food is energy. What are we feeling? What are we fueling? Are we fueling to the flesh? The flesh becomes empowered. When we deny the flesh, the flesh becomes weak. And when we feed the spirit, the spirit is strengthened in us. So that the Holy Spirit can live through us. So otherwise we can quench the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, by our sin. And so that, does does it make him powerless? No. We have all the power in the world to say no. And he always gives us a way of escape. But do we take it? Because sometimes we give into the flesh. Because anyone who's been dying has been set free from sin. The new self lives by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22-25. Someone read that for me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the flesh has been crucified. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's been buried with Christ. We've been raised to new life. We but we, we crucified with its passions and desires. But we, we can still so feed it if we want to. Since we live by the Spirit now, let's keep the Spirit. In other words, let's be that, let's serve that, let's walk in the Spirit. And Dr. Fink used to tell us, how do you, how do you walk in the Spirit? He says, you know, that's, you know, people get confused about that all the time. It really, it's really, relatively simple according to Scripture. I'm walking in the Spirit. So well, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Okay? I'm walking in the Spirit. Can you see? That's the Holy Spirit's all over the prayer. Right? And I sin. I'm no longer walking in the Spirit because I'm living in sin. I have (laughs) thought a wrong thought. A sinful thought. I've done something sinful. So what does Scripture tell me to do? Confess it. Confess means to agree with God. So I confess my sin to God. I agree with you. I name it. God... Uh, I, I shouldn't have, have thought that bad thought, or whatever. I'm naming it, Lord, um, I, I lusted, or I I was angry without cause, and or I, whatever the things. I, I name it, not name it, claim it. I name it, and I confess it. What does God's word says that happens then? He's faithful and just to forgive. He's faithful and just to forgive. And to cleanse us from how many sins? All. Oh. 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 You know what I'm doing? I'm walking back in the spirit again. That's it. That's walking in the spirit. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what it is. When we do sin, then God forgives us. If we claim to be without sin, 1 John was written to Christians, we deceive ourselves. We claim, I'm not a sinner. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and will forgive our such sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. You see, we, we, don't, we don't have to, but we do. The reality is that we sin, and when we do, don't hide it, confess it. In fact, the greatest thing as men and women, okay, and I would encourage everyone to do this, we'll close, I would encourage every one of you to either be an accountability partner with your spouse, if you can, or with a brother or sister in Christ, I recommend that as well. And that this is where we confess our sins one to another. Because when we hide our sin, when we hide it, we we never become free of it. When we figure out, I, I can do this on my own, You can't, that's why confess your faults one (coughs) to another and so fulfill the law of Christ. Why? Because it's empowering when we confess it, not just to God, but with a brother or sister in Christ who will keep it in confidence and that they would be praying for you and supporting you and it frees you. You don't have to, you're not hiding it anymore. You You don't have to be afraid. Just open up. I encourage you to do that. Obviously, we didn't even get through that section. That's why I say to be continued. We will finish up this chapter next Sunday the well, Let's pray together. Father. Doctrine can get messy at times. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit was the teacher today. God, if I said anything. That wasn't biblically accurate. Uh, To my my knowledge, I didn't. But God, if I did, would your Holy Spirit help these brothers and sisters in Christ, as they get into your word every day, to be illuminated by it, by you, so that they can understand the truth and the truth will set them free. God, unfortunately, we focus so much of the time on things we don't know. But if we would just focus on the things we do know, it would really change our lives. We've been blessed to know and understand your word through your Holy Spirit. Now, as we leave this place, may we choose to live it. In. in Jesus' name, amen. I love y'all. Have a great week.